Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Carrington, and you're listening to Call Talk for June 12, 2013. Today's topic is adding sales to your customer service culture, how you can start paying for your center in just three months. Now, if you're listening live, we want to invite you to be a part of the show and ask questions. It's really easy, and here's how you can do it. Either email me at brian at benchmarkportal.com at b-r-i-a-n at benchmarkportal.com, or if you're listening on the phone or just close to one, you can call in and do so live. That phone number is 347-857-3117. Really quick, and again, that's 347 857 Three one one step, but make sure you press the number one on your phone to let me know that you have a question, and I'll be sure to get you in. And I want to remind you that the first person to ask a live question on the show today will receive a free benchmarking survey valued at over fifteen hundred dollars from Benchmark Portal. So I also want to remind everyone that if this isn't the best time for you to listen to a show, we totally understand. That's why we've archived all of our shows, and they're available to listen to at any time of the day, just for you at BenchmarkPortal.com. So at this point, I'd like to introduce one of our hosts of Call Talk, Mr. Bruce Belfiore. Thank you very much, Brian, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Brian and I, in fact, right now are in Las Vegas at Call Center Week 2013. Uh, a lot of fun. There's a lot of great presentations that are happening and a lot of good learning that's going on in our industry, which just seems to be uh, changing faster and faster all the time. And, in fact, I'll be jumping from this Call Talk episode to leading a roundtable discussion on multi-channel KPIs, which metrics really matter. And uh, so we're very excited about that. And we're joined today also by Dee Buell, our senior consultant and the content expert for Call Talk. Dee, how are you doing today? Great, Bruce. Thank you. And it's such a pleasure to be on the show today. That's great. Great to have you. And uh, we brought in an expert on the topic that Brian was talking about, uh, Sue Wolski. And Sue is a performance and metrics manager with TXU Energy in Texas. She has a long history in call center sales and service. And in her current role, Sue measures, monitors, and provides direction to a team that drives sales and service execution through more than 700 agents. Sue has held positions as call center performance consultant and has worked for Fortune 500 corporations, setting up new call centers, as well as improving performance of current sites. Uh, she's known in the industry as a person who can step into a center and find and solve performance gaps. And she recently presented at the IQPC's Call Center Performance Productivity and Metrics Conference uh, with the topic, Strategies for Driving the Sales and Service Team to Some of Their Highest Metrics. So really, it's my pleasure to welcome Sue Wolski. Sue, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on your show. Um, one of my favorite topics is to discuss the call center business, so I'm just thrilled to be here and spend the next half hour with you. Okay, great. Well, what, what do you like better, by the way, Sue, because you've seen it all at this point. Do you like the metrics management or the people management better? Well, you know, I have to say people, people, people. Um, I know the importance of the metrics, but I also know in a call center you need to love and understand the job of the agents and, you know, I frankly, I don't think I've ever hired someone who hasn't had some exposure to being an agent. I was That was my first job out of college, so I, I understand how tough that job is. 
Um, and then with the matrix, you know, there can be a metric within a call center for everything. And so I think it's a balance of using key metrics to drive performance, but you also have to ensure there is a significant amount of fun happening in your call center. And, you know, I've had my fair share of doing the electric slide dance down the call center floor. Um, and, you know, being in that dunk tank during the sales kickoff or a spring fling contest or, you know, have, and, and it's really important that you, you are having the fun with, with all of the um, agents in your call center as well as using the analytics, you know, so you really need both. Yeah, oh, amen, amen. I mean, I'm a big believer in fun, too. And I'm just wondering, so do you have any videos of uh, the dunking where, that we could post to our website? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I think I have some serious videos of doing the electric slide with about 300 people, yes. I'll have to look for that. I'm sure it'll be on YouTube any minute. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, that's, I think it is so important that uh, we have that mixture of fun and uh, the metrics. And, and actually, uh, sometimes getting to the preferred metrics or the goal metrics can be made a lot of fun by, by turning it into a, a little competition or, you know, uh, celebrating it when you actually do fulfill the, uh, the dream of getting to a certain metric. So I uh, couldn't agree with you more there. Um, and, and so I know you have experience with transitioning a service call center into a sales contact center. Now, this is something that we hear more and more about, where the uh, uh, you know impetus is coming from on high to uh, turn the center into a, a center that's able to do cross sales, up sales, maybe just even straight sales. And can you tell us about how you went about introducing the sales objectives uh, where you are? You bet, you bet. Well, let me just um, step back. I, you know, I worked for MCI Telecom for about eight years, and I loved that company. Um, and then I had an opportunity to move into um, a call center and manage a call center for Sprint PCS. It was about 1,200-seat call center. And um, it was brand new, beautiful facility. And this was when, you know, cell phones were just starting. I'm dating myself here a little bit. Um, but, you know, they the had the bricks, tiny huh? phones. <laughs> yeah, yep. exactly. They had those <laughs> tiny flip phones and the little teeny micro, uh, microphone, very uh, Jerry Maguire. And, you know, the, <laughs> the iPhone wasn't even on the horizon. So we were really learning. We were learning how to text message. We were learning how to um, surf the web on a phone. That was even all new. So the innovations coming from our development team at Sprint PCS, they were just significant. And it was um, a great deal of information to teach our folks. Um, myself included, it was all brand new. Um, so once we really had it down pat where we understood how to text message, we understood how to check emails and check voicemails and how this phone was really not a phone at all, it was really turning into a device, um, I felt that we were able then to sell, uh, sell different products and cross-sell products for Sprint PCS. And this was when and everything was unbundled. So you would have you had to buy the phone package, and now it's kind of going back to being unbundled. Unbundled. You have to buy the phone to make the calls. You had to buy a data plan for your email, and you had to buy a text messaging plan as well. So um, I, we weren't all we were doing was supporting the phone piece of it and answering general questions about how to use the phone. Um, but I really felt strongly with that we would have the ability now that we understood the product to cross sell. 
And so my goal of this was to make sure we could generate enough um, income or revenue for the company that would pay for our operating costs to do that. And it took, it took some time, but it took a ton of work. Um, it took a lot of creativity and energy, um, but we did it in about six months. And they that that is basically their philosophy, you know, where you're you are you're constantly in a mode of trying to see not just to sell, but what other products that would help a customer um, that that you can offer them. And so it's it's really a consultative type selling. It's not hardcore, you know, selling. It's a pretty easy sale once you have resolved the customer's issue. Um, I would say that that's a big caveat. If you have not earned the right to sell anyone anything unless you call, you resolve the issue that they're calling in, and then that can open the door. But um, really, there's no way you can sell unless you've resolved the customer service issue in the first part. So um, it, it was very successful. Um, it was really a lot of fun, and, and I believe they're still um, have that model today. I think that's fabulous, and I think that that model that you're talking about, that is to say to actually earn the right to suggest uh, further upsells, further, um, you know, add-ons, uh, further services for the client that the client might have, uh, to earn that right by actually giving them superior customer service is, uh, is right on and, uh, you know, works every time because while you're giving that good service, you're also establishing a relationship and you're establishing your competence, and therefore, yeah. if you can be competent in solving the problem or answering the question, then you're also presumed to be competent to uh, give a good suggestion with regard to an add-on. Would you explain? That, that's exactly right. And, and, you know, again, you have to earn the right to sell, and, and really it's because you, the customer then trusts you and trusts that you're recommending something that would help them, and, and that's the only time when you would recommend something. You wouldn't recommend something that isn't going to um, make common sense to the customer. Right, right. And, I mean, wow, think about it. Financial autonomy for your entire center in half a year, that's really fabulous. That's a, an amazing uh, achievement. And uh, for people on the phone, you know, uh, one of the things that I think was important for you to mention is that it took a lot of creativity and a lot of work because some people may be thinking, yeah, I can see where I can do that to a certain extent. There may be some other people who are saying, I'm not sure if I can do it. Well, this is the time to think about it deeply, to dig deeper and figure out how you can, in fact, uh, you know, bring up and bring out some of the value uh, with regard to cross-sell and upsell that might be available to you, but that you, you just haven't really thought about yet. And uh, yeah. it, it takes time. It takes time. Well, it does. And I, I, I'm, sorry, just, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, and I think that one of the key elements of, of having that creativity is having your agent's involvement um, to, to really build that from a grassroots, you know, kind of it's coming from the agents up. Um, to, to build the creativity in the programs to, to help support the sales initiatives in your center. Right, right. Okay, well, great. Well, let me ask you, too, what's the first step with defining, Sue, uh, a strategy for driving sales and service to, to hit metrics? Well, you know, I think that sometimes we work in silos. There's, you know, customer service 
uh, P, uh, cha channel, there's the sales channel, then you've got marketing. And, you know, one of the biggest things you need to do is we partnered with our marketing team. Um, we went to them, asked them, what could we easily upsell to our customers? Um, but they had to understand, we, we want to upsell, we want to help, but we have to maintain our average channel time. You know, I, I, unfortunately, that's a reality in a call center. Um, someone needs to watch the AHT. You might not have to tell your agents if, you don't, if that's not your approach, um, but, you know, your workforce management or forecasting, they're watching the AHT. So we really mm -hmm. made sure that marketing understood the limitations of how much time we have to do this, you know, particular upsell. Um, we did a lot, you know, we did the due diligence with the time, with time studies and determined that we could sell data plans and text messaging plans and even upsell or cross the, or um, upsell the plan itself into a, a different contract within a certain amount of seconds. And literally, you, you really do have to do a lot of um, work with the time studies to make sure that that's, that is appropriate seconds to add on to your ever channel time because you don't want to go in that in there blind and then because if you do if your AHT goes up too much your service levels are going to suffer um, and then you'll have folks on hold too long and then that will affect your customer satisfaction survey results and so it everything is so linked in a call center so you know knowing what the average channel time impact is 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 probably key um, we also introduced a consultative selling, or I called it common sense selling approach. Um, so it really had to make common sense to and match the reason why the customer called in as much as you possibly can. I mean, you can introduce some things that maybe the customer wasn't aware of, um, but you really want to make sure that you are, one, resolving the customer's issue first. That's that's the first part, and and back to what we were talking about earlier, earning the right then to approach the customer with a different product or a different plan and try to upsell them that way. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, it was hugely successful, and Sprint and PCF merged their service centers into just revenue-generating sales centers, and I think if you partner with marketing, they will, obviously, they're going to want anyone's help with selling their products. And so, um, you know, you just have to make sure that they understand the limitations as well. So, again, lots of fun, a lot of hard work, um, a lot of electric slides going down the aisles. And, you know, we also had a very strong workforce management team. And you know, they, we, we implemented a process because, you know, back then the average channel time was, was key. Um, and we wanted to make sure if we saw an agent struggling, um, if they were on a call for 7, 10, 15 minutes, we yeah. had, we had a, a guy who he was on rollerblades because it was a huge call center. It looked like a, a Costco kind of warehouse, really. It was just massive. <laughs> And uh, he would rollerblade to that agent because the workforce management, you know, we had walkie-talkies. They would say, go help out Sally Sue. And uh, she's been on call for 10 minutes and see if they needed help. Um, and that would avoid, you know, we were just, we were proactive with trying to get out there. The agents loved this program. They all, and this was agents. This wasn't a workforce management person. This was an agent um, who was on the phone who, you know, they, they had two hours to rollerblade around the, the call center or just walk the call center floor and help people out. 
and uh, the agents loved it. And they, you know, we had to have a rotation, and you know, you really have to kind of build the program. But people, people enjoyed it. Um, they, you know, and the agents, they didn't, did not quite understand why we implemented this. It was they just thought, oh, this is just extra help. Thank you so much. You know, well, I was frankly in the background watching our average channel time to make sure that the service level levels didn't tank um, while we tried to implement this process. So, you know, like I said, everything is linked in a call center, so you really need to keep your eye on so many different metrics when you implement a new program, and, and that was just, you know, something fun that we did with our agents. So, you know, one of the things I am hearing you say, and I really appreciate, is you were talking about customer engagement, earning the right to upsell, cross-sell, or whatever. So you've got to really be engaged with your customer. You're talking here about your agents. You know, you need to have them engaged in the program, but also keep in mind that they are humans, and, and, you know, you've got to treat them very, very well. And you're talking about your workforce management team and how you and the management team were always watching the average handle time and so many other things. And I like what you just said where everything is linked together in a call center because it really is. So now what metrics do you use to measure performance in your centers? Well, you know, metrics in a call center are tricky. Uh, if you have too many, you will not do well in any of the performance metrics that you lay out in front of you for the year. Um, I think if you have too few, then you only focus on those specific areas and everything kind of, you know, falls by the wayside except for these things. Um, you know, in a call center, you're going to get what you ask for. If you ask for a 200-second AHT, you're going to get that from your agent. So I think it's really important to have a balanced scorecard. Um, I suggest having about three to five maybe top metrics at an agent level. And then these same, excuse me, these same metrics, they need to roll up into a supervisor scorecard, then it goes to a manager scorecard, a director scorecard, et cetera. And, and obviously that should mirror, hopefully, your overall corporation's scorecard of what the corporation needs to achieve by the end of the year to, to say that you've had a successful, uh, successful year. Um, obviously, for the agent, you want it to be things that they have control over. Um, but as you move up into management, you can introduce more metrics or different metrics, um, uh, although you need to you know, give a lot of consideration for when defining the agent metrics. You know, they're, they're going to hit that goal regardless, so you really want to be conscious of what, what you're going to set for them for their goal. Um, so it's critical to really think and evaluate the metrics to be put in place because it's a case of, you know, careful what you ask for. They're going to hit the target, our agents, that, you know, they, they want to do well, um, but it's the behaviors that to get to those objectives you need to keep your eye on. Um, the key metrics utilized in a call center, you know, they can, they can include your quality monitoring results. Obviously, that's a big one. Um, a customer satisfaction surveys. If you are able to get a survey down to an agent level, I think that that is a huge best practice. Um, we did have that at Sprint. We are implementing that um, in the fall for our agents at Texas Energy. Um, so that's that's huge. Where you can you can you know link back customer satisfaction survey results to an agent level, and then obviously that's going to roll up into your supervisor level, and you can do all the analytics behind that. Um, scheduled adherence. 
you know, folks just need to come to work when they are scheduled and go to breaks and lunches when they're scheduled because if they don't, that again, everything's linked and it's going to affect um, the service levels if people are not within their scheduled adherence. So, you know, and then obviously the, the sales performance, I think that that's an important thing to post and celebrate um, all, of, all of these different metrics, um, but the sales performance, you need that environment. You have to build a little bit of that sales performance um, uh, environment to make sure you're driving that. And you know, you could even have cost of doing business. That could be your transfer rate or what is your first call resolution. So, you know, those are the key ones I would say, which is, you know, the quality monitoring for your internal quality monitoring results, uh, uh, surveys, scheduled adherence, and probably the sales performance would be my key ones that I would use for an agent, supervisor, and manager scorecard. Okay. Well, you know, um, as you're talking about the um, stack rating of the metrics and so forth, you know, I realize a lot of times when you're trying to hit a certain sales quota or whatever, it's it's pretty often you want to make sure that your best agents are getting those high-valued customers. So how do you get your best agents to handle the high-value customers, and do you utilize the stack rankings with your agents as well? Yeah, I'm a big proponent of stack rankings uh, for agents and supervisors, and you could roll it up into a manager team. You know, and there's some great technology out there. Um, currently with TXU Energy, we utilize Genesis for our call routing solutions. Um, their technology allows us to identify our top performing agents, and then we can um, set priorities using different wait timers. And the wait timers, they're just seconds, but they do make a difference. And those wait timers um, allow calls to first go to our top agents. And then it works really like a waterfall where the call will then move to our second tiered performing agents. And then that would go, then it would continue and cascade until the customer would eventually hit our newest agents. Um, you know, all of this, though, still has to be done within the time frame that will maintain your service level. Um, you know, our, our service level goal is 85% of our customers are answered within 45 seconds. It, you know, that everyone has maybe something close to that or similar, but that's the one that we use right now, and that's the same one we used at uh, Sprint as well. So, uh, yes, we use a stack ranking every month, and we will stack rank our agents, you know, 1 to 500 or however many we have, and then um, we we move them into those tiers to maintain our top agents handling our highest value customers. Okay. So uh, those are great inputs. And uh, before we go to questions, and, and, oh, by the way, I can just hear our listeners donning their rollerblades now. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a great idea. Less bulky than a golf cart and uh, quieter than a motorcycle to get around. So that's a good way to do it. But uh, tell me. How are the highest value customers determined and identified to the system for prioritization? Well, at TXU, I think there are about 21 different measurements or attributes of the customers that help us define who who are our highest value customers. And then we, you know, there's actually four different tiers, and they fall into these tiers based on, like I said, several things. It could be their average monthly billing. It could be their tenure. 
um, their credit rating, do they have multiple products, kind of how, what's their stickiness of, for, for uh, the brand, um, do they have more than one account under their name, you know, all of these different attributes are, are, are scored. And then the customer can be segmented into the value tier, and they're tagged in the system. And once they're tagged, they route through our systems, you know, to the agent population of how we've tiered our agents. So it's a great process, and it allows us to to um, adjust our metrics, such as service level, or maybe we're going to waive certain fees for a certain tier value. Um, and, and we're able to do that and kind of segment that out and, and really possibly offer different levels of service for different levels of customers. So it's, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's pretty successful for us here. That's great. That's great. Okay, I think we have time for a couple of questions, and so I'd like to pass things over to Brian at this point. Yeah, sounds good. Actually, we got a question uh, regarding your quality program, Sue, and this one comes from Jan. And her question is, what components do you measure within your QA program? Well, currently we have a score, a scored assessment form, um, and the form is broken down into two sections. Uh, the, the first section focuses solely on the customer experience. So it's going to be, be items like, um, or skills, such as soft skills, listening skills, able to identify the problem quickly, um, acknowledge the customer's concern, and then resolving the issue um, efficiently and and correctly, obviously. Uh, The second part of the assessment form is to evaluate the business rules or the policies. So did the agent resolve the issue for the customer within the guidelines or business rules that are, you know, uh, that are set up by the company? And so, um, you know, do we give the accurate information or time frame or ex, ex, um, explanation? And, and that is scored as well. So we're in the process of evaluating our, our, our quality form um, so it doesn't even have a score. This is work in progress, so I don't know how this will go down. You guys will have to have me on again, and maybe I can explain <laughs> it to you. So, But we are we are assessing and researching how do we go about our internal quality program for our agents and move away from the score because agents do tend to focus on the score and possibly just go only on coaching. So I'm going to coach you on these four things today, and I'm not going to give you a score. So that is kind of our, our we're morphing towards that, but, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I have more, more to come on that topic. Yeah, let's go ahead and switch from now the agent perspective to your customer perspective. Uh, this question comes in from Alex, and the question is, how do you use customer surveys, and what measurements do you use when surveying those customers? Well, yeah, you know, I'm really excited about this. We we use a customer survey, and one of the initiatives that we're implementing in July is we are going to have an IVR survey where a customer is able to opt into a survey every time they call, where right now our surveys are outbound calls. So this IVR survey that we're going to implement will allow for significantly more surveys to be completed by our customers and we'll also have the ability to link that survey to that specific agent that the call was delivered to. And like I said before, then you're able to do more analytics surrounding, you know, which supervisor is the best. 
um, you can track the trainer who has the highest CSAT level, level of CSAT coming out from their, from their particular class. So this is great. I love this stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's just able to link CSAT to a supervisor, trainer, agent, and, and so it's not so vague, uh, and you'll have a ton more surveys when you're using an IVR and allowing the customer to opt in. Um, we're, we're excited about this new initiative coming out. That sounds good. Uh, you know, it is always fun to, to hear the feedback of the customer and uh, help drive some of your performance as far as what they're saying. So uh, speaking of uh, customer satisfaction, we, we all know that if your agents are satisfied and they're happy, well, then that usually that uh, lends to satisfied customers as well. And then that is right one of the questions uh, that Steve just sent in to me. And his question is, what motivation tools have you seen successfully utilized in call center environment? Well, I, I don't know if it's necessarily a tool, but I think it's 100% involvement from your agent staff. So involvement, involvement, involvement. Um, you need to have your agents involved and engaged and the supervisors with creating the plans or programs, coming up with the ideas, um, even recognizing their peers. I mean, anything you can do to get your key staff members, who that's the agent, that's not the director of the call center, I'm sorry, but your key staff members are the agents, and if you can get them involved in the creation and implementation of projects, do it. Um, have the inter even have, having agents introduce a new metric to the staff, um, ha have them think of ways how to motivate their peers and have them create the recognition program. That's where your best ideas, I think, and suggestions for improvement come from. It's this group of people. Um, and, and they may just have a better understanding than top management of, you know, what will drive the motivational behaviors of our agents and what means a lot to them. And also, they have such great insights about what is important to the customers. So you really need to listen to them, get them involved in the solution, and it will build that top-performing call center. Um, we, we actually have an initiative going out to have our agents, some of them, go to a Toastmasters program. Uh, you know, it's kind of a yeah. skinny-down program, but you know, public speaking or rolling something out to their peers can be intimidating. So this has been helping them feel more confident about just speaking in front of a group of people. Um, and so, you know, we like, we really have gotten a lot of good information through our Toastmasters local program. So that, that was just an idea to help them feel more confident. You know, that's a great idea. I mean, in terms of development, and one of the things that we've seen from a recent uh, study that we're about to finish now on agent satisfaction and lead satisfaction is that uh, people oftentimes don't feel that the company is really interested in them as persons and in their personal development. And this really uh, hits home right there and I think is it sounds like a very good creative idea, so hats off to you on that. Okay, well, I think we've come to the end of another half hour. Dee, did you want to add anything? You know, the only thing I would say is back to what she was talking about with the Toastmasters and how that is really uh, supporting the agents. That is something that's a skill that you can train them that too much there, but it's also something that helps them build their confidence and so forth. And I think any time you can build an agent's confidence, you're going to get a payback with the work that they will produce for you. So um, hats off to that idea. That was a great one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good. Very Thank good. You. Well, 
I'd like to thank you on behalf of all of us, Sue, and uh, really very enlightening, and uh, it's, it's been a delight having you on. And uh, we'll look forward to having you on in the future when you're able to give us an update on some of these initiatives. And uh, so right now I'll hand it back over to uh, to Brian. Hey, i got to say, uh, Sue, uh, you did great today. If uh, if you have a Toastmaster group out there, they've got to be proud. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> well, it was great to meet you guys and, and to be on your show. I appreciate your time and having me. Uh, it, was, it was great. Thank you. You bet. It was our it was our pleasure for sure. So uh, thank you, Sue, and, and also thank you, Bruce, for the insightful discussion that you guys shared with us today. And uh, I want to make sure that everyone listening in remembers that uh, we do have all these shows that are archived on our website, so you can always tune into that to benchmarkportal.com uh, and uh, check on those and all of our previous shows as well. And uh, at this point, don't forget to sign up for our free reality check that is a, a free benchmark report to see how your call center compares to others in your industry. And uh, really from all of us here at Benchmark Portal and from Bruce and I here at Call Center Week in Las Vegas 2013, wishing that all of you keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Brian Carrington signing out. Have a great day. That's a wrap. Have a nice day. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.